Good morning. All right. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and, um, you know, I know, I know Brant just prayed for us, but as you're turning there, I just want to pray over us too, because what we're going to be talking about is boldness this morning. And I just want to pray that God would, would uh, just bless me with that boldness that I'm going to be preaching about. So um, if that's cool with you guys, can, can I pray for us again? Is that, can we pray too much in church? Okay, good. All right, let me pray. God, um, God as, we, as we look at your word, God, I, I know that I'm a person who is in need of more boldness this morning. And so, God, I pray that, uh, that you would bless us, Holy Spirit, that you would fill this place. God, that we would be people who are not just hearers of your word, but we are doers of your word. And God, just open our, open our hearts up to you. I don't know where people are, are at right now in this moment, but God, I just, Holy Spirit, just move, move in this place. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 4. This is, this is one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts. I love this chapter, and one of the main reasons I love this chapter is because I love stories with bold main characters. Right? I, I'm, I know I'm dating myself just a little bit, but how many of you, how many of you, are, you have seen the movie Braveheart? Okay, yeah, all right, good. That, that makes me feel better. When I started working with college students, I started referencing movies, and they're like, you're old. I don't know what that movie is. It's like, you are dumb, so there you go. Um, <laughs> Because I'm more mature. But I, I, I love movies. Like, like, and if, you're, if you haven't seen Braveheart, that's fine. But, but I love movies like William Wallace, like giving his speech, or Lord of the Rings, King, uh, what's his name? I said, almost said Aragorn, right? King Aragorn giving the speech, you know, not this day. It's like, oh, yeah. There may be a day when the strength of men fails, right? It's like, just puts you back in that place. Some of you are like, you're a nerd. I, it's okay. I, I love Wonder Woman. I love, I love movies where it's like, man, that main character is just bold. I love boldness. I love seeing boldness put on display. And I think the reason is, is because I desperately want to be bold. Like, I, I want to be bold. I, I went, uh, I was thinking about this a few years ago. We went on a vision trip to Southeast Asia with, uh, with a, a, a couple of guys, and one of the guys that, that I went with, he's just this big guy, like not just physically big, but you know those people with just a big personality, and sometimes it's like, hey, you just need to just bring it down a little bit, but that was him, and in this country where most people are kind of quiet, and, and it was, like we would, we would go into places where it's like, I don't think we should be here, and uh, you know, it's like, we're gonna, we are going to be put in jail, or we, like we'd go through airport security and just like, just breeze through it. And, and he would say, it seemed like almost once a day, he would say, you walk tall when you walk with me, boys. And it's just like, okay. But just that, that boldness, I love it. And I think one of the reasons is because in my life, I think that boldness is something it, that more than I would like to admit, it feels like something that's kind of hard to come by in my own life, especially when, when I think about my own faith. You know, I, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but there are times where I get into situations or, or, or conversations, and, and it feels like most of the time, more, again, more often than I'd like to admit, I have those, those things where it's like I think back on it, and it's like, this is what I should have said, or this is what I should have done, or this is what, you know, it's like I have these bold thoughts in hindsight. You ever been there? It's like, ah, oh. when, they, when they brought that question, I just froze up. 
like a, like a bunny. You know, it's like, I don't want to be a bunny. I want to be a lion. You know, why, why can't I do that? Why can't I be bold? And, and what I love in this chapter is I see two men who are just bold in their faith. Two men who stand before the leadership and the rulers of, this, of their current day, and they are just bold for the name of Jesus Christ. They are bold for their faith. They, they're unapologetic. And, and I think what we see here as we look at this passage, we see two worlds that are colliding together. We see the, their, their current reality and all of this power and all of these authorities, and they, are come cra- they come crashing into the kingdom of God, the, the reality that God is a God who is on his throne, that these men serve a risen Savior, and those two realities come crashing together. And the question that I had as I was looking at this chapter is how do I walk in boldness when my worlds collide? When my realities come crashing together? When, when, the, when the current powers are saying one thing and God, I know the realities of God are leading me to say or do another thing. What does it look like for me to walk in boldness when the realities come crashing together? And, and here's, I believe this is kind of the big idea as I look at this chapter Walking in boldness comes from walking with Jesus. Walking in boldness comes from walking with Jesus, okay? Let's, I want to talk about what does it look like to walk with Jesus because I desire boldness. So what does it look like? If if this is true, what does it look like for us to walk with Jesus? Read with me chapter 4, sorry, in verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Okay, let's, let's stop there. Now, we need to understand, and for those of you who have been coming to Anthem for a while, you know that we're coming into the middle of a story. All right, this, is, this would be like if you walked into the movie theater halfway through and you're wondering what happened, which I don't like those people, right? Where you're asking questions like, if you would have just paid attention, you wouldn't have to ask these questions. But, but where they're at right now is um, right before this, if you, if you look in the chapter what Todd taught last week, and if you weren't here last week, go online, listen to it, you can get caught up. It, it's an awesome message. But what we saw was Peter and John, they're... They are living, the disciples are living in the light of the the resurrected Jesus. Like the church is growing, things are happening. God God is working in mighty ways. And and one of the ways that he's working is the Holy Spirit is just doing crazy stuff. And as Peter and John were were walking to the the temple to worship together, they saw a crippled man, a a lame man who had been lame for more than 40 40 years. And they looked at him and they said, silver or gold, we don't have any of that. I know that's what you're wanting. Remember, Todd's like, hey, look at me. I don't have any money. But what I do have, I give to you. Stand up and walk. And the guy jumped up and and immediately he he jumped up. and, And in that moment, Peter used that miracle as a platform on which to preach about the exclusivity, the name of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus, then not only can he heal a lame man's legs, but he can make dead people live again. And because of that, the, the leaders and the, the religious rulers and the elders and all these people, it says in uh, chapter 4, verse, I don't have it up on the screen, but chapter 4, verse 2, it says, they came upon them and greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. It's just funny that, I love how, how the Bible reads sometimes. It's like they're greatly annoyed. Like, oh, I can't believe you did. You know, it's like they're just annoyed. 
And so they hauled him off to jail. They must have been really annoyed, right? So they haul him off to jail. And where we read, this is the next morning. So Peter and John, disciples of Jesus, just spent a night in prison. Why? Because they were teaching people about the name of Jesus. See, the, the first thing that I want you to understand is we think about what does it look like for me to walk with Jesus? Walking with Jesus means recognizing the exclusivity of Jesus. What does it look like for us to, again, if, if boldness, walking in boldness comes from walking with Jesus, the first thing that it means for us to walk with Jesus is walking in the realization, in, in the understanding of the exclusivity of Jesus. You see, these, these men were thrown in prison, not because they were doing good deeds, but because they were using those good deeds to preach about a, a risen Savior. And I love it because if you, if you read here in verse 5, it's basically, this is a, a, a parade of power. The, it's, it, it talks about the, the rulers and elders and scribes and Caiaphas and Annas and all these people. And you're like, why, that, why all these people? What Luke is doing, again, Luke, the author, he loves details. And he's, he's writing to give an account. And so he's naming all these different people. And what he's basically doing is he's saying, these are the who-who of the day. These are, these are all the people who hold power in this day and age. It's, it's, it's kind of like this parade of pomp and circumstance. In my overactive imagination, I see all these you know, old men walking in and the robes, and they take their high seats, and they, you know, it's like, dun, 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 dun. I don't know what the music is, but it's like they're, they're walking in, and, and it's just like here's all the power. And basically, I don't, know if you're, I don't know if you're connecting the dots, but basically these are the people who put Jesus on trial. Not long, not long before this. These are the same people who passed judgment on Jesus, which led Jesus to the cross. And so it's almost as if they're, they're bringing Peter and John, and it says they put them in the midst. They put them, they, they, they put them on trial now. They threw them in jail for the night trying to cool them off. And then they put them on trial, and then they're showing them this is who we are. This is all that we have. Now, now who are you? Because they asked that question. They put them in their midst, and they said, now, who are you? By what power? By what name? By what power? By what name? And, and basically what they're, what they're saying is, on whose authority did you do these things? That name, it means authority. By what power? By what name? They're saying, who told you you could do this? Who said that you could make lame men walk? Who said that you, can, that you can be here and do this? Have you ever been in that situation where you're just in these places where it's like all of the power, all the authority are put on display, and you're just like, you're right? I, you know, that, I feel like that's my, my response sometimes. I, I remember when I was a, a young pastor, I was probably 22, and, and I, was, uh, I was at a denominational meeting for the denomination that our church was a part of back in the day, and, and I... Did not I must have not read the like the the schedule very well. That sounds like me, because I didn't know I was supposed to be up on stage for one of the meetings leading I, I, like leading in a hymn, and and in these me I think somebody told me like the the meal right before we were going to go into the meeting. They're like Luke, you're good to to be up on stage and lead this hymn, right? And I didn't want them to know I had no idea what they were talking about. So it's like oh yeah for sure sure. I knew, know what you're talking about, you know? And so, so we go into the meeting, I'm up on stage, and here I am with about six or eight other leaders in the denomination, and I'm barely able to shave, and here's, it's true, and here's all these guys that, that, like, they've been in ministry longer than I was alive, 
And, and I was dressed super casual because I didn't know I was supposed to be doing anything. And they're in all their, their suits and just all nice and tidy. And they've got their like wise, old, stern faces on. And I was trying, but it just didn't work for me. Right? And, and I kept thinking as I'm up on this stage with all these people, you know that song? I don't remember the tune, but one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. I think it's from Sesame Street. That's probably not the right tune. But that's what I kept thinking the whole time. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I here? And I think oftentimes that when we, when our worlds collide, we can have that same mentality, right? It causes us to shrink back. And it's as, as all the power is on display, it causes us to shrink back because we think, well, who am I? Who am I? I you're right. Who am I, who am I to say anything against what you're talking to me about right now? Who am I? I, I, I barely know my faith. I, I, I don't memorize scripture as much as I should. I don't, we go through all these lists as to why we can't do the thing that we're called to do. And yet, what we see Peter's response is, is awesome. Because Peter responds, verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers, of the people and elders. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen? Like, he just, I love it because it says there at the very beginning, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you think about that, like, I, I don't know, in my mind, it's like the, the words that should be after that is then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit began to shake uncontrollably. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, had a, a tongue of fire ignite on his head. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues that nobody could understand. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, made everybody around him fall down. No, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak. I love this because this is exactly what Jesus promised in, in Luke chapter 12, verses 11 through 12. I have it up on the screen. It says, and when they, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. He, this, that's what Luke recorded. Luke is the same guy that's writing this. He recorded this promise, and now he's recording the fulfillment of that promise. Isn't that amazing? This is exactly what Jesus promised. That in that very hour, the Holy Spirit is going to move and he's going to give you words to say. See, Matt taught a few weeks ago about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to put a spotlight on Jesus. That's what's happening. And what Peter does is he highlights and he lifts high the, the person, the name of Jesus, the exclusivity of Jesus. He tells them there, he says, if, if you want to know, if you want to know what happened here, if you want to know how we did this, I love it. He says, it's by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. Then it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. All right, let's not read too quickly past that because Jesus Christ of Nazareth 
We read it in our context, and it's like, oh, yeah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, We've, or Jesus Christ. We hear that all the time, right? But what he's doing there is he's, he's highlighting the title of Jesus. Jesus Christ, Christ wasn't Jesus' last name. I've said that before, right? Christ wasn't on Jesus' mail when he got it out of his mailbox. Like, it wasn't Mary Christ, Joseph Christ, Jesus Christ. Christ is a title, it means the anointed one of God. There, there are many, if you read in the Old Testament, kings were anointed ones. They were Christs. They were Messiahs. And yet all throughout the Old Testament, every king, every story was all a foreshadowing, a pointing forward that someday there's going to be an ultimate anointed one. There's going to be the one who will be over all others. In fact, in Isaiah 61 one through two, Isaiah prophesies about this, and he speaks through the, the perspective of the anointed one. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. There's that term. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. What Isaiah is doing there is he is, he is looking forward to the day when there will be no more tears, when the anointed one comes and, and he will set everything right. And that's what everybody during this time, that's what the Jewish people were waiting for and longing for and hoping for and expecting for. And what, what Peter does in this moment, he's like, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. He holds high the exclusivity of Jesus, that there is no other. That, that he, and he says, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nazareth was about 64 miles away from where they're standing in this moment. It's almost like he's saying, the guy you were waiting for, you missed, and he, he was in your backyard. I mean, he's right there. And, and not only did you miss him, but what does he say? Whom you crucified. It's like, oh, oh, you know, like it, if they weren't already getting, well, it says they were annoyed earlier. If they weren't already getting frustrated, this is probably just, right? It's like, whom you crucified. And yet, what does he say after that? But who God raised. What's he doing there? He said, look, you guys, I don't know if you know this, but you're on the wrong side of this whole thing. I don't know if you, I don't know if you realize this. In, in fact, what, what he's doing there is he's, he's undercutting their power and their authority that they just put on display. In, in fact, this is a direct, uh, direct opposition to the story that the Pharisees were spreading about Jesus. In, in Matthew uh, chapter 28, verse 13, the Pharisees are, are talking to the, the guards, and they say this, tell people, this is after the resurrection, just tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we, while we were asleep. He's telling the, the guards who were guarding the, the tomb, well, just, just tell people the disciples came and got him. And now Peter's saying, no, 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 no. God raised him from the dead. He's, he's setting them aside. He's setting him up, and he's saying, this is what it means to follow this Jesus. And he goes on, and he says, by him this man is standing before you. Well, this Jesus is a stone that was re rejected by you, the builders, which became the cornerstone. What, what does that mean? And this, this is a title um, that, that was quoted from Psalm 118, verse 22. But Jesus actually used this phrase in Matthew 
Matthew 21, verse 42, where Jesus is talking to these same people, and he says, uh, it says, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, how many of you have built a house lately with stones? Okay, so, uh, so none of us. So the, the idea of a cornerstone, I, it's like, well, I kind of know what that is, but I don't really know what that is. What's the, what's the value of a cornerstone? Well, according to Wikipedia, which you get the best information from, right, they say this, the cornerstone or foundation stone or setting stone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. What's that mean? The cornerstone is the stone that you set first when you're building a structure. It's the stone you set first, and then, and then everything else is in relation to that stone. And if something is out of whack, then you don't move the cornerstone, you move that stone. And what Peter and John are saying is they're saying that was Jesus, and what you did What you did was you cast aside the very thing that you needed to build your life on. The thing that you could could make everything else in alignment to, you cast that aside. You treated that as as nothing. It reminds me of, like, uh, do you guys know, I mean, this is awful small. This is a a washer, right? I mean, you guys have probably seen these before. Well, I, I changed my wife's brakes a few years ago for the very first time. And every time I work on vehicles, there's usually something, you know, like screws and washers and nuts left over. Um, but I've heard that's normal. I've heard manufacturers just put in extra just in case. Okay, I, I'm going to choose to believe that. But uh, I got done. I got done with the brakes. It took me forever. I was super frustrated afterwards. I got done with the brakes, bled the brakes, almost crashed the car trying to bleed the brakes because they didn't work right. But I got them to work right. And then, and then uh, my wife jumped in it. She took a student. We were living in Iowa City. Took a student downtown. She calls me up and says, I have no brakes. Like, That's not good. <laughs> See, I, after I got done changing the brakes, I saw a washer much like this one laying on the ground. And I thought, you know what? It probably doesn't matter if that's not on there. You know what? It's going gonna, it's gonna to take too much for me to take that car back apart after I got everything done after I have everything the way I wanted it to, after I have everything looking okay, it's going to take way too much time for me to take it all apart and see where this one washer is supposed to go. Surely this can't affect anything. Well, little did I know that that one washer was the thing that kept all the brake fluid in the brakes. Who knew, right? I didn't know. But see, that, that, the problem, though, the, here's, here's what I want you to understand, and this is what Peter and John are saying. See, we oftentimes, we can look at Jesus and say, you know what? It's going to take too much time for me to rearrange my life to fit him in. It's, it's going to take too much. I mean, uh, Peter and John are saying, this is the cornerstone. This is, this is the, the person that everything else should be in relationship to. This is the thing that you build your life on. And if you try and build your life on anything with, without him, it is all going to come to nothing. It is going to lead you to destruction. Praise God, my wife made it home. She was fine. I put the washer back on. Filled it, it worked great, it, just in case you were wondering. 
But see, Peter and John, they're saying, look, walking with Jesus means realizing the exclusivity of Jesus. And Jesus says the same thing about himself in John 14, 6. He says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, this this whole thing starts with the the religious rulers and the leaders of this day asking about how, how did you make this lame guy walk? And they're saying, no, it's not about making a lame guy walk. It's about the dead guy who's living. You see, they, this guy, he needed life brought back into his lifeless legs. And he's saying, that's cool, but what you don't understand is you need life back in your lifeless soul. And Jesus is the only one by which you can be saved. They had confidence and boldness because they knew they were following the only one who could bring the life that we so desperately need. Amen? See, and it's the same for us today. It's the same truth. That if we walk in understanding that Jesus is exclusive, then we can walk in boldness and confidence knowing that we are, we are following the one who brings life. We are following the one who will, who will never disappoint, who will never let us down. And they go on, not only is walking with Jesus means recognizing the exclusivity of Jesus, but walking with Jesus means allowing Jesus to lead. Walking with Jesus means allowing Jesus to lead. They, they go on. I love verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Let's just stop there. Can we just stop there for a second? They, they see these men. This is one of my favorite verses in Acts. They see these men, and they're like, well, they're pretty dumb. <laughs> right? They have no education. They're just fishermen. They have no pedigree. We don't, you know, they, they, have no, they have no reason to be saying the things they're saying. They have no reason to be doing the things they're doing. And yet it says that they recognized, it's like, wait a second. We've heard people talk like this before. We've heard words like this before. Where have we heard this before? Oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, yeah, Jesus. See, it's like, it's like if Brant, where, where are you at, Brant? Brant, how many miles... Uh, Brant, Brant made a decision. How many miles are you trying to run this year? 500 miles. Brant is trying to run 500 miles this year. Yeah, I, Sammy, that's my response too, right? Just like, what? 500 miles. When I heard that, I'm like, that's crazy. But then my second thought is like, you've been hanging out with Nick Serene a lot, <laughs> right? For those of you who don't get the joke, Nick Serene is a guy who's like, I'm going to run. I don't know. How much did he run last year? A thousand miles. Nick Serene ran a thousand miles last year. That's crazy. But it makes sense that Brant, because he's been hanging out with Nick, would now have these goals. That makes sense. See, in the same way that as these religious rulers and leaders look at Peter and John and they're saying, wait a second, this reminds me of something. Oh, yeah, it makes sense that you would talk the way you talk because you've been with Jesus. It makes sense that you, would, that you would act the way you act because you've been with Jesus. You see, they allowed the real risen Jesus to lead their lives in such a way that the way Jesus talked led them to talk the way they talked. The way that Jesus loved led them to love the way he loved. The way that the things that Jesus found as important led them to see certain things as important, right? For them to, to follow Jesus... 
for them to have this boldness meant that they allowed Jesus to lead their lives. And not only that, but if you, if you continue on in verse 14, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Just stop there. They had nothing to say in opposition. Not only, not only were they saying the right things, but their actions matched what they said. Their actions matched. How many times for, I don't know, I was just thinking about this. I mean, think about some of the songs we sing here in church. Like uh, that song, with, every, with everything, with everything, I will shout for your glory. And then we, we go out from church. It's like we sing these songs and we say bold things. And then we go out and live a life that's contrary to what we just said in here. Don't we do that? We, we sing songs, and it's almost like we don't even understand what it is that we're singing because our actions outside of this place all too often do not look like we are following a Jesus that is, that is impacting our lives, that it's just words. And yet how often, I mean, how often when, when, we, look at, when we look at how our lives are lived, I, I just wonder how often do my actions cause someone else to take action? I mean, I can, I can say the right things, but how often do my actions cause other people to take action? How many times, if, if I mean, I, don't get me wrong, we need to be speaking. But oftentimes, I think we speak and forget to do. How many times, how many times would you say people look at you and they say, you know what? I see the way you're responding to this situation right now, and it's not the way I would respond to this situation. I see, I see the way that you're loving that person right now, and if that were me, that would look very different. <laughs> I see the way you're treating your waiter or waitress right now, and for me, that, that looks different. I, I see your life, and, and can, you, can you explain to me what's going on? So many... So much of the time, I think, as a church, as, as Big C Church, not just Anthem Church, but as, as church people, I think we forget to let Jesus actually lead the real, living, resurrected Jesus. I think we forget that we need to allow, like, as we walk with him, that we let our, our voice sound like his voice. We let our actions look like his actions. Right, And it, it says, uh, I love, if, if you continue on verse 15, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Verse 18, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. This is, I love this verse, verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot speak. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. You see, where, where these men come to, these, these powerful men, they come to the place where they say, we have to, we have to do something. They have to take some kind of action. They, they, have to, they have to respond in some sort of way. And again, uh, again, what we're talking about is walking with Jesus means allowing Jesus to lead. And the action they took is they say, all right, no more. You can't, you can't speak like this anymore. You can't do these things anymore. 
You can't talk like this anymore. You can't act like this anymore. And I love Peter and John because what they do is they say, well, whoa, 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 wait a second. I mean, you can decide for yourself. It looks like for you, this is a decision that needs to be made. But as for me, I can't not do this. I can't but speak about what I've seen and heard. It reminds me of my, my daughter, Elena, when she was little, when she was little, she, I would, you know, if she found out a secret, like if I, if I told her I was going to give um, Albertine, my wife, a, a present, guess who knew? My wife. <laughs> She's a lot better now. Now I can ask her, what do you think we should get mom for? Now it's a lot better. But it was, you know, I, I don't know if you were that way where it's like when you're a little kid and you know something, it's like as soon as it's up here, it's out here. It feels like that's what Peter and John are saying. They're like, we've seen these things, and we, we just can't stop. It's like when, when you see a good movie, it's like, I just have to talk. I just have to, uh, here it is, because it's up here. I've experienced that. I've witnessed it. I've, I've, I've been there. I've seen it, and it just comes out. This isn't just like working yourself up to a frenzy. This isn't like, I got to evangelize today. Who am I going to speak to today? It's like, I've seen God work. I've experienced God work. And now I just have to just say it. How many of us, that's what our Christian lives look like? I think far fewer than what we'd like to admit, right? See, see what, they're, what they're talking about here is as, as these men, as these powers say, you can't do this, Peter and John saying, we can't not do that because we've experienced it. They followed Jesus so closely that they allowed Jesus to actually lead their lives. How many of us, how many of us, we, we would say, God, you are king of my life, you are in control, and yet our lives look, they don't look like that. I mean, have you ever seen somebody, have you ever seen somebody approach an attacker or, or think about approaching an attacker in, in confidence as opposed to fear? You ever witnessed this? Like, there's a couple guys that, that I know that they've been in fights before, um, and they're they're very confident about their ability, and, you know. And there's there's a difference where you know they talk about how it's like, well, I'm not going to start something, but if something starts, <laughs> you know, it's like I got you. I understand what you're saying. As opposed to me in junior high, junior high boys locker room. Where it's like, I was little, I was littler, littler than anybody else in my class. And so when a bully would start to like come at me or somebody would make fun of me, I just got crazy. Like I, I, was, just like, I was just like a cyclone. And, and so therefore I never gotten into any fights because they would start, you know, pushing me and I just go, ah! you know, and just like start swinging, do some spins, you know, like probably spit a little bit and foam at the mouth to, to the point where people would be like, whoa, don't mess with Luke. Right? He's crazy. And it's all fear. Whoops, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> Whoops. But it's all driven, it was all driven by fear, not confidence. It was all driven by fear. And I think sometimes in our Christian lives, when we, when we are approached by powers, when we are approached by things that, that come against us or threaten us, I would say we look more like me in junior high at that locker room than we do my friends who are confident in their abilities. That's, that's, what, that's what Peter and John look like. Why? 
because they were walking with Jesus. And they were walking with the Jesus where uh, Proverbs 21.1, I love this, this verse. It says, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. That's our God. Our God is a God who is in control, and yet oftentimes we look at things and we say, oh, we got to, like, I mean, election year's coming up. We got to elect somebody who's going bring, gonna to bring our country back to God. We got we to, gotta, like, we act in fear, or we got to elect somebody who will be different than, than who is currently. And we, we act in fear, and yet the reality is we serve a God who is bringing people back to himself right now. Amen. I'm not saying don't be political. I'm just saying let it have its, let it have its place. Where we, we don't respond in fear, but we respond in confidence because we follow a Jesus who, who is in control and who is leading us. They, they go on. I love it because they say, don't, don't do this anymore. And they say, well, we can't not. And then verse 22, for the man on whom, uh, well, verse 21, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. Verse 22, for the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. You see, when people follow Jesus in this way, it causes other people to take notice and rejoice. It causes other people to, to say, just like last week, I want to be a part of that. I want to be bold like that. I want to get in there. And verse 23, when they were released, meaning Peter and John, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Now they're talking about what had happened. They're talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. Verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Let's, let's stop there. They just got out of jail. They just got out of a, a situation where they are being threatened. And we don't know what those further threats were, but we know, we know that they, were, they probably weren't nice. Right, But they were threatened, and you see, the, here's the third thing, the final thing that I want you to understand. Again, walking in boldness comes from walking with Jesus, and walking with Jesus means pursuing the presence of Jesus, means pursuing his presence. They get out of jail, and what do they do? They go to their friend's house. I, I don't know why I think that's funny. They go to their friend, they get their friends together, they're like, guys, guess what just happened? And they tell them the story, and they, they just break out into a prayer meeting. And what they pray is they go to Psalm 2, and they pray Psalm 2. And Psalm 2, 1 through 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying. That anointed, it's Messiah. It's Christ. And, and what, what, they didn't, what they didn't keep, if you keep on reading Psalm 2, verse 3, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. That's what the people are saying. They're, they're gathering together against God and against his Messiah, against his anointed one, against the one who is the cornerstone. And they're saying, we don't want you. We don't want your power. We don't want your authority over our lives. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna burst the bonds and we're going to break free. 
And they make these plans and, and they, they have, this is how we're going to do it and we're going to attack in this way. And if you keep reading verses 4 through 6, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. That word derision means mockery or contempt. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. You see what they're saying there? You see what the psalmist David is saying there? He's saying these people, they come together and they, they make their plans and they plot and they threat. And yet in the midst of that, what does God do? He laughs. Why? Not because he's minimizing the threats, not because he's saying, you guys, come on, don't be afraid of that. No, because he is in a position of control. That God, and, and this, is what the, this is what the disciples are doing. As they pray, they are, with one psalm, they're saying, this was to be expected. It happened to Jesus. It happened to, this is to be expected. We cannot be living in fear of what might happen. Why? Because Jesus, because God is present in the midst of whatever is happening. I love it. They, they pray this prayer and they're saying, they're saying, God, you are on your throne. You are in control. You are in power. And, and what happens? And they, they ask, what, what is their prayer? Verse 6, they pray to, or 29, they pray to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They just got out of jail. I think my prayer would be like, God, please don't let that happen again. God, I don't like jail. God, I, I, don't know what the, I don't know what they're planning next. They told us not to speak, and we're just we're gonna keep doing it because we've seen this. But God, please, can you keep us safe? They don't pray that. They just got out of jail, and what do they pray? God, keep working, keep moving, keep us close to you. They're pursuing his presence no matter what. Keep working, keep going, keep moving. Let us, let us be on the front lines wherever that leads us. I was thinking about that, like, uh, documentaries. Have you ever seen, like, a lot of people are really into documentaries, especially here in Columbia. I don't really get it, but there are a few documentaries where I'm like, oh, that was good. And I, I, I come to this place where it's like, how did they do that? How did they get that footage? How did, and it's like, well, because they were there. They were in places where, where buildings were being bombed. They were in places where people were, be, were, were getting sick. They were, they were on the front lines. You see what, what the disciples are praying. They're saying, God, keep us close to your presence, no matter what that means. No matter, no matter, no matter where that would be. It, it reminded me of a quote from this guy named C.T. Studd. He's a missionary, which with that name, <laughs> you have to be, right? C.T. Studd said this, Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run, run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. What is C.T. Stead saying? I just want to be in your presence. And you know what that means? That means I'm going to be on mission. Because I want to be close to you. I want to be close to where you're working. See, let's, we're going to end it with this, verse 30. Or excuse me, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. See, I love the fact that God answered their prayer immediately. He said, God, we just want to be with you. We want to be where you're working. We want to be in your presence. And what did God do? He shook the place 
where they were meeting. He shook their world. He shook their reality. He shook their existence. He shook them up. He filled, with them, filled them with the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the, the, the fulfillment of Psalm 2 that we just read where God is laughing and he's pulling back the curtain of reality and he's saying, guys, I got you. I'm with you. See, I think lots of times, I was talking to Nathan this morning, I think lots of times we don't work in boldness, we don't walk in boldness because we're afraid of what if. What if I say this to this person or what if I do this thing? And, and, and there's so many things where it's like, what if I get mugged if I go, and if I go to this country? The, the, what if I get the, the new virus that's out there? What if, what if, what if, what if? And what God is saying here, he's just like, I got you. Just keep pursuing me. Keep walking with me because that is where boldness happens. Keep, keep staying close to me. And, and yet I think that we have to be careful if we're going to pray this prayer, right? We have to be careful if we're going to pray. I mean, can you imagine? God, please make me bold. God, why is this person confronting me like this? God, please make me bold. God, why am I in these conversations? I don't know what I'm supposed to say. God, keep me bold. God, why is my neighbor outside ready to talk to me when all I want to do is go inside and veg out in front of the TV or get my next task done. See, we have to be careful if we're going to pray this prayer because God will answer this prayer. And we have to be people who are ready. If we're going to pray this prayer, we need to be ready to have our world shaken. Amen? You see, what happens when we do pray this prayer? What happens is the thing that the, the Pharisees and the religious rulers and those leaders, the thing that happens is going to take place. Because what happened to them is that this spread. You see, boldness that comes from walking with Jesus is contagious. The, the band's going to come back up, and here's what we're going to do. My prayer for us as a church is that we would be people who are ready to pray this prayer. We would be people who say, God... I want to be close to you. I don't want to just come into a church building and sing pretty songs or, or just be a part of a holy huddle. I want to be a part of a people who, who are working and moving and they're close to you and they're, they're holding high the exclusivity of you and, and we're building our lives on the, on the cornerstone that is you and we are, we are setting you apart. God, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that movement. I want to be people. I want to be part of a church. Who, is, who we are willing to let God shake things up in our lives. Because, guys, I want to be a person who's walking with Jesus in boldness. But if we're going to pray that prayer, we need to be ready to see God work. So my question this morning is, is that you? Where are you at this morning? Are, are you saying, yeah, I want to walk with Jesus? Whatever that means, lifting high the exclusivity of Jesus, building my life on him. Maybe there's things in your life that you have been building your life on that's not him. This morning, I, as, as we take communion, this is what we're doing now. This is what we do in response every, every week here at Anthem. The, there's, there's bread and, and juice at these different tables. There's gluten-free here up front. But what we're going to do is we're going to come to the table and we're going to take a piece of the bread, which represents the body of Jesus broken for you. See, the only reason that, we, that God will answer the prayer is because Jesus died in our place. And he made a way for us to be in relationship with him. 
as, as you go and as you pray, and if, if you have made that commitment this morning, then this is for you. As you go and as you take a piece of the bread and as you dip it in the cup, which represents his blood, which is spilled for you, my prayer is that you would, that you would think and say, God, I just I want to be close to you. Where, where, are, where in your life are you far from God? Where are you, where are you at that's far from Jesus? Maybe, maybe you're saying, God, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't say that. But let's this morning say, God, shake this place. Shake us. Let's, let's pray. God, I, I thank you so much for your goodness. God, I praise you for, for your mercy to us. God, I, God I, I praise you for your presence. I praise you for the promise that, that you will be with us, that we do not have to be people who live in fear. But God, your promise is that even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of, of us having to give an account, you will give us words to speak. And so God, I pray that this morning as we go to the tables and as we, as we take a piece of that bread, which represents your body, and as we dip it in the cup, which represents your blood, God, help us to be a people who are willing and open and, and just ready to see you work and move. God, I pray that if there's people here that their lives are not situated on you, God, I pray that you would bring them to that place. God, I pray that if there are people who that their lives look more fearful than confident and more fearful than bold, God, I pray that you would help us to see that you are the king and help us, help us, God, help us to let you lead. God, and I pray that if there are people here that they would rather have comfort than your presence. God, I just pray against that. I pray that you would help us to see that you are so much better than anything that this world could offer, anything that comfort could offer. God, I praise you that through you we can be bold. It's in your name. Whenever you're ready, let's take communion together.